1: Welcome to Sustainable Success. Hope everyone's having a great week. Again, we are now on the Business Channel. We've been now here since the end of April. Again, so if you've been trying to find us on the Influencer Channel, that's no no longer the case. We are now on the Business Channel, and we hope that you can follow us there. Also on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017, and then also on Apple Podcast. We hope that you can follow us there. There you'll uh, see many of our great guests that we had over the years, sharing their words of wisdom and insights to help move your business and personal success to the next level. If you have any questions or like have any ideas in terms of topics, feel free to reach out to us at chris at christophersalem.com or chris at Success.net. We'd be more than happy to address and make sure that we find the right subject matter experts that will align with that topic to help you move you to the next level. Today's show is being brought to you today by Biz Explosion Conferences. They are an organizer of entrepreneurial events nationwide, and their next event is taking place in Denver, Colorado, June 9th through the 10th. And again, I personally know firsthand because I've been to these events, and they are spectacular, meaning that they not only bring quality people, but they bring people who are serious about business and helping others. So there's always a hand to uplift you. It's a great place to to collaborate and generate business as a result of it. And I look forward to serving as the keynote speaker for their event on June 10th. So again, if you like more information, check them out at AchieveBizConferences.com. That's AchieveBizConferences.com. With that being said, we are going to move into today's discussion. We're going to be talking about dealing with Goliath. Now, not the, that we're going to be talking about the story of, of, of Goliath, with Goliath, but we're going to be talking about, from a different perspective, the psychological edge in negotiation for business owners. So you're going to get a lot of great insight for those business owners or business leaders that work for organizations. You are in for a treat today. And we are going to be talking with Alistair McBride. He is a coach, facilitator, and trainer for over 10 years who has started numerous small businesses since he was 21. He's a regular guest lecturer and facilitator at multiple universities in Ireland on topics such as cognitive behavioral coaching, entrepreneurship, and innovation. He coaches executives and business owners across an array of industries, including software, law, aviation, telecoms, and corporate finance, to name a few. Over the past few years, he's been giving his clients the psychological edge in negotiation and helping them to perform under pressure. He is the creator of the Goliath negotiation method. And without further ado, we welcome Alistair McBride to the show. Al, how are you Bruce, doing today?
2: It is an absolute pleasure to be here. Looking forward to getting into it with you.
1: Absolutely. I love I love this fact. So before we dive into like, you know, that the whole thing about, you know, the the, the psychological edge in terms of negotiation, let's talk about first the concept of the name of the title of the show today, dealing with Goliath, to kind of give to kind of paint a picture of what that will be for the listeners and those that will be listening later here on the podcast version.
2: Absolutely. Well, it. it I mean, the Goliath, the David versus Goliath story is just this, you know, age-old tale of the underdog story, isn't it? And that—that's who I want to help. That's who I tend to serve. Are the people who are up against it? Are the people that? even if they don't feel they're maybe the lesser party or the weaker position in a, in a negotiation that you know for someone looking from outside in would say oh they're really up against it they're going to have a tough time there so that's often where my clients are coming to me from
1: wow i love that i love the fact that again that you know you that the small business owner has an ally you know someone that's really is looking out for their well-being and, and when it comes to negotiation, that is critical in almost every aspect of, of business, especially with in the case with small business owners, because there's still there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of things to sort through in terms of, of technology and and information, and of course, uh, think you know different strategies to grow and scale your business. So you know having that psychological edge in negotiation is gonna be a critical thing. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, maybe to start, like from from the ground level, with those listening. If you know, we'll just pretend like maybe some people maybe are just for the first time hearing this, uh, and absolutely. for those that already are, are familiar on some level, at least they're going to now get a, a good picture from your perspective as an expert in this area where they can take it from here.
2: Well, there's a few things going on there, Chris, and I'll just to just elaborate and flesh them out for you. So, and this this also comes back to you know some business owners uh some of my clients they they fall into two buckets you know two camps really so the first one are what i call the naturals you know they love the negotiation they love the tussle of the it's almost like you know having a wrestle you know they they love getting in there getting stuck in and they see it in that light they see it as a game to be won a thing to be played now lo and behold you know they're usually relatively talented at it and how i tend to help them is just That's where the subtitle of the book came from, Psychological Edge and Negotiation. Because they often, even though they might even, some of them have their 10,000 hours, Chris. They have decades of experience. They have more experience than I do at the stuff, right? They've done a lot of deals. They have a lot of experience. But they also feel they're aware of where their skills gap is. They're they're aware that there's this miss, there's this, this lack of understanding sometimes as to, you know, the emotional state of the themselves, more so the other side. And as I said, some of these psychological elements that they think they do the same thing over and over again. And usually it works, right? Four to yeah. five times, nine out of 10 times it might work. And then all of a sudden they do the same strategy and it doesn't work. And they don't know why, and they don't know how to get unstuck. And they don't know how And they don't, as I said, really have a plan B. And if they have a plan B, they don't have a plan C. So I help them understand that whole other element that's going on, maybe a little bit beneath the surface, so that they have those other elements, so that they're more flexible in who they turn up as into into their negotiations and their conversations. So that's one crowd is is natural. The other end of that spectrum, as you might imagine, and this is often a lot of... uh, of business owners. A lot of people say, oh, I think I fall into the into the second one. So the second group is the nice but nervous. Now, the nice but nervous is what <laughs> it says on the tin there. I the love nice these different nervous. categories. I love uh, it. <laughs> absolutely. And they're nice but nervous because they want to, you know, they, they're about the relationship. You know, these are the sort of people that are, you know, they're, they're less task focused, more relationship focused, maybe. All right. Or even if they're quite task focused, when they're getting into this, They have a lot on the line. They're what you might even call emotionally compromised. Now, the thing about this is, Chris, and they usually dislike the... They don't see negotiation as a game. They see it as a highly stressful, unpleasant thing they have to get through. And they tend to feel, and rightly, that they've left value on the table at the best of times or they've even been bullied and pushed around too much at the worst of times, right? Now, here's the thing. I've been both, Right. But, you know, when I was, when I, <laughs> I was, I used to be an art dealer in a previous life. And, you know, I used to be able to sell so much art and I used to love it. and I love the game of it and all of the sales stuff, you know, and I was a natural. I, you know, sold I sold a lot of art and I loved yep. it, right? Then I went out my own, okay? Then I was an art consultant. And suddenly that deal, which wouldn't have seemed like a big, <laughs> a big deal, just, you know, maybe a couple of months before, suddenly that deal was that's a holiday, that's a vacation for me. Or it's I'm really on the breadline if that deal doesn't go through. So you're emotionally compromised. That's why an awful lot of people, if they're working for someone else and then they go out on their own, it's a totally different engagement because they've as I say, they've so much skin in the game. So so what I do with both sides, with the with the natural, I'm giving them more dexterity, more flexibility in how they can act, because the way they act serves them most of the time, but not all the time, and they don't have other options. For the nice but nervous, I help them just do that. I help them not just perform under pressure, but prosper under pressure. And they're starting to see opportunity, possibility, in the tussle, so yes, they're starting to see it like a game. But they're not just turning the nice but nervous into naturals. I'm turning both them what I call su- jo- jokingly call supernaturals. <laughs> they're the best. They're the best of both and more. Wow, I love that. And and
1: so I mean, when you, when it comes to like negotiation, I mean, it, it's so important from every aspect of a business. Whether if you're just starting a business. Somewhere, you know, if you're going to expand a business, you know, right. if, if you're dealing with suppliers or other businesses, you know, in order to that, that, that play a part, maybe it's a supply chain. All of these things are critical in order to remain competitive, to, to, to Absolutely. sell more, to increase your business. What would, I mean, what do you, what do you recommend, Alistair, when you, when you look at this, like, is this something that business owners have to like, like take a course on? Or is it something that are there resources they can lean on like yourself what would be what would you recommend you know it gives them that psychological edge more
2: well first of all just thank you for mentioning that because it is one of these force multipliers in many businesses like think about it. if you make if you look at your average dealer the amount of whether you know you do 10 deals a year or you do you know 15 30 50 it depends of whatever size. Just imagine it in the amount of deals you do in a year. So anyone listening to this, think of the amount of arrangements, whether they're sales contracts, whether whatever. And then just, just think what would because it's easy to work out what would ten percent more look like, right? Even half that number now, what would five percent more look like? Now compound that year on year, right? What would t- having ten percent more revenue, more sorry, not more revenue, more profit? Look like, yeah, right. So it is one of these force multipliers. It's like you know somebody has a machine that creates you know three units per hour, and you you buy a new machine which you can do ten. That's a no brainer that you're going to be in a in a better situation, right? But it's the same with negotiation. There are gains that sometimes seem small, but then they compound literally like compound interest over time. Because a lot of these arrangements that you make are longer, they're more robust. So, that they can serve you over time. And that extra revenue, that extra profit feeds back into your business that you can then utilize that gain elsewhere. So, it's yeah. hugely important. You were saying for resources, do something. Just, you know, okay, you know, we, we'll link to my book after this, you know, as I said. Oh, yeah, we'll fly. definitely we
1: provide that uh, in the third segment of the show. Absolutely. But,
2: but just, you know, put negotiation into Amazon and buy the top three books, right? That that would give you a better grounding than 50% of people who regularly negotiate by a long way. Okay. That'll give you a good feel for it. Just do something because as I said, marginal gains in this area can really compound and they compound quickly.
1: Yeah, they do. I love the fact that you said they compound. I mean, and they, and they do like, you know, whether if you're saving money in this case, Or then if you're generating more revenue as a result of it, you know, from from those choices. I would love to see, like, is there like a a process that you would like to share in this? Like, you know, for instance, when I hear that psychological edge, is there something that like you have to have a foundation to now be psychologically ready to negotiate strategically and and more effectively in your business? If you're a small business owner.
2: Absolutely, Chris. Absolutely. I mean, look, there is, you know, in my system, as I said, there is a number of steps in the model that I work people through so that they're very dynamically prepared for negotiation. But I suppose the the first thing to get emotionally prepared is to start with the principle that and, and Chris Voss. a lot of people have read Chris Voss's book oh, "Never yes. Split the Difference," and it's a love. It's a brilliant. It's a brilliant book. He's a very talented, uh, talented speaker and thinker and doer of negotiation. So definitely recommend that as a, as a talking point. But One of the things he talks about in an interview I heard there last year, and it sounds nearly metaphysical, is he said, "The universe. You have to believe the universe has your back," and this is kind of profound because you think. What? Where does that come from? You need to believe that the universe has got your back. Why? Because you have to, it comes from what's called the expectation effect. You essentially don't get what you deserve. You don't get what you need. You get what you deep down expect. And this is absolutely crucial. It's been proven through literally thousands of different psychological studies on everything from luck to how the body processes food is based on expectation, not on the reality of what's actually going on, but on your expectation. So if you're the person who thinks, oh, I'm not a very good negotiator or negotiation is highly unpleasant or it's this or it's that that doesn't serve you, you're largely going to get that. So it might go well for a while and then you go, oh, well, you know, I knew that would kind of happen. No, no, no. So as Chris says, you know, you got to that. The universe has got to have your back that when you have that approach, when you have that, and this is the whole priming, this is your whole almost trajectory of seeing, this is how you're you're primed yourself in there, that obstacles aren't obstacles, they're opportunities, setbacks aren't setbacks, they're other ways to reassess and go again. And when you have that approach, you are, and uh, you know, I know you asked for a process there, but this is the most important principle, Chris, if people can get their heads around it, and indeed their gut around it, right? <laughs> that they have to just, yes, you've had unpleasant experiences of the negotiation in the past, but start to believe that you are on the trajectory of being better, getting better, and becoming a great negotiator. That is that is probably the key factor. Uh, because very quickly, you know, this when I wrote, you know, the the dealing with Goliath psychological edge of negotiation is because people would say, you know, oh, you know, you have to be able to Manage your emotions, right? But they wouldn't tell you how. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's what that's what coaching is all about. This is my background is is the coaching, and I used to tr- I used to coach coaches on how to coach uh, in in you know university masters programs. So I've, I've quite a bit of experience with this, and this is one of those key things that we need to just tap into. All right, and the key principle is this: it's not about doing. Well, it is, but. It's first about saying, be, do, have. So it's about the identity that you're adopting. That is everything that you're bringing to the table. That's how you're acting. That's how you're going to react, is choosing the version of you that turns up. Because we have all of these different types of negotiation. Who are you negotiating with? You're counterpart. But first, you're negotiating with yourself. Who, which version of you is going to turn up? right? Is it going to be the most competent one, the the agile, flexible one? Or who is it going to be is the one who's going to get beaten, the one who's going to get doesn't have a good experience with negotiation. So it's be, do, have. You're you're doing the behaviors, the actions, what you say, what you do, that flows from the identity that you adopt. Now, I know this might sound maybe a little bit highfalutin or a little bit high flying. Oh, not at all. But it's absolutely key because when you move into that then you don't need to remember tricks and clever phrases or anything like that because you're flowing authentically from that That's best so true. self all right i know you're all about the authenticity Chris.
1: oh def absolutely and i love the way you talked about be do have because i'm a big believer that if you don't if you can't be it then how can you do it differently you have to be it you can't put the cart before the horse right <laughs> So Absolutely. this is great. Also, i I want to we got to go to break here shortly here in a, in a few in about 10 seconds here. But I do. Uh, this is going to be a great transition to what you're going to talk about here in the second segment. If you're just joining us again, we're talking with Alistair McBride. We're talking about dealing with Goliath. Again, this is the psychological edge when it comes to negotiation for business owners. We encourage you to tune in here for the second segment. We'll be right back after the break.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, Back to Sustainable Success.
1: Welcome back to Sustainable Success. If you're just joining us again, we're talking about dealing with Goliath, Uh, not the story itself, but actually how you, the small business owner, can have the psychological edge in negotiation and how this can help to dramatically impact and improve where your business is and where your business desires to go. We highly encourage you to listen to this show in its entirety here later today here at the Voice America Business Channel. So Alistair, you you had you had just finished off in the first segment, you know, talking about the importance of be to have, you know, like you, if we're not being it, that's like that foundational level. How can now we do things differently and have different and better results if we don't have a foundation on a consistent level of being it? Can you elaborate and you know, because I know you that we had to go to break and you had more to share in that particular area, because without the foundation, then everything else. That comes along with negotiation doesn't have the legs to stand on unless we have that being beingness down.
2: Absolutely, and and this is the point is that it's a question of your identity, where you're acting from, right? So which version of you are you acting from? So as you say, it's be, do, have, not do, have, be, right? A lot of the times, oh, I have to work all this time, and, and and to have this thing, and then I will become that identity, you know, that success, in this example, successful negotiator, right? But let me just give you an example. Again, I mentioned it earlier in the first segment on the expectation effect. And it comes in, one of those examples is all about luck. And this was from research in the UK from a professor called Professor Richard Wiseman, which is a brilliant name for a professor. But anyway, he was examining luck, and I don't mean winning the lottery. I mean people who think themselves very lucky and others who think themselves, i.e. their identity, who they're being, are either very, very lucky or very unlucky. And lo and behold, there were a lot of experiments, but one of them I thought that's just wonderful to mention because it just sums up this whole thing, is that he had people essentially meant to meet him in a cafe and they walk in, and I think it was around about 26 highly lucky people. All 26 of them noticed the 20-pound note at the, on the floor by the door as they came in, right? Only two of the unlucky people noticed the 20-pound note on the ground, by the door as they came in. So they literally could not, like this is the perfect analogy. The unlucky people literally in their field of view could not see the opportunity, free money underneath their feet. Like I can't think of a more perfect analogy for what I'm talking about. So this is the point is, it's how we filter the world does this thing mean it's it's a disaster? Does this thing mean it's a setback or is this an opportunity? And I know that sort of language can sound trite at that level. But really think, when you are in the middle of a setback, are you acting like it's an opportunity? you acting like, oh, that's interesting, or is that horrible? And, oh, this is inevitable. And, oh, this always happens and this sort of stuff. So it is about, luck is basically about creating self-fulfilling prophecies from our are priming right so it's asking what's the story we're telling here narrative let me tell you of every type of coaching and every type of therapy the one strand on why they work or why they don't is does it change the story in the client's heads so that's why when you're going into a negotiation be that better part of you it's not about having skills that you may not have yet that's not what i'm saying it's about if you want certain attributes as the great psychologist William James says, if you want certain attributes, act as if you already have them. So it's mm. not like I'm not saying, you know, if you want to be a pilot, pretend you're a pilot. You're going to crash a plane. You don't have the yeah. skills. <laughs> right? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you want to think yourself as, you know, being a generous person, act with generosity. If you want to be a braver person, do courageous things. Right. It's it, And it's from that being. I'm the sort of person who. Right. And that's the version of yourself that you bring in there now. Just balance it up that we're also not saying neither are we getting into a fight with the other side in the negotiation, but nor nor are we being naive, nor overly naive. I'm just going to make a little slightly controversial point here, just on a little pushback on the idea of win-win, right? Win-win is a a win-win negotiation. You know, you hear this all the time, win-win-win. Win-win is the destination. You want, to get, you want the other side to be happy with the deal because if they're not happy, the deal won't last very long because they feel like they were screwed over or when it goes into effect, it doesn't work for them. It's not profitable for them. There's no point in it. They'll renege on the deal. All right. So you definitely want them to win. As you want to win, But that's the destination. So many really talented negotiators go in because you spot the aggressive ones. You spot the ones who are trying to punch you for every last thing, you know. And you'll see this where they make you say no like three to five times. Don't be, you know, if they ask for this thing and you say no, and they ask for it in a different way and you say no, don't worry about that. Expect that. That's part of the game. They're trained to ask for things three to five times or more. And it's only when you have that fifth no or seven no that they go, okay, he can't actually give me that thing. That's their training. So roll with that, right? part of the game. But a lot of them, it's the sneaky ones who come in and they're all, all, all friendly and all warm, all lovely to meet you. And they're acting like they're your friend. They're not your friend. Okay. <laughs> the, the yeah, deal that's, table, and that's something you
1: got to really be mindful yeah, of.
2: <laughs> the deal table where you're making that arrangement, that is not for making friends. That's for feeling and giving and be, receiving respect great if you're friends afterwards okay that's fine but it's not you're not to be acting like a friend now That means that we're trying to balance that careful balance between task or objectives and goals with the relationship we're not throwing out that relationship but it's one thing at a time remember trust is like rome they say rome wasn't built in a day neither was trust Right, But you can have rapport. Trust is built with a nice, gentle back and forth. You say you're going to do something, you do it. They say they're going to do something, they do it. And you're building up goodwill and trust, right? But you're not, because an awful lot of people are all, oh, yeah, win-win, and they somewhat naively go in. And they come out and, you know, a client rings me and said, oh, um, I say, you know, it's terrible that we were so, he was so friendly and so welcoming. We had such great rapport. Uh, and then I realized afterwards that I'd given away half my concessions. I got nothing in return, right? <laughs> so this is what I'm talking about. We we got to not be naive, but as- ascribe positive intent, but see it as that game that there's a cut and thrust, there are maneuvers and see those moves and take them not uh, you know, try not to be offended by them, but see them as part of the game. That They're testing you, they're playing, they're seeing, you know, what do you know, what do you not know? What will you fall for? What, what won't you fall for, right? And it's by playing that game, and that's a big part of what, you know, more and more experience will teach you, that you can gain that expertise to not fall into some of those traps. Because mm-hmm. when you're able to maneuver your way through those, from that better sense of who you are as that identity of the The more flexible, the dynamic negotiator, always learning, always humble. This is one of the great traits of the great negotiators. The best versus the rest, Chris, let me tell you, the best negotiators, extremely clear on the destination, extremely flexible on how to get there. Oh, I like that. Because you have to, you
1: like you said, you have to be flexible. It, it can't be you're zeroing in on one thing. You, you, you're setting yourself up for, for disappointment.
2: Absolutely, and and think of this gameful mindset. It's something that, and uh, think of you know people when you're playing a game. It could be tennis, it could be football, it could be whatever. But think of video games. Why does someone play a, you know a level of a video game fail three hundred and twenty times? And yet they go a 321st time. Right. Because they think they can do it because it's exciting, because it's interesting, because they understand how they can maneuver. The setbacks aren't setbacks. They're learning curve. Right. They make the victory all the sweeter. So I'm suggesting that we we accept the same thing, that we don't get too upset. You know, when you're playing a video, okay, you might get a bit emotional in the moment. You know, some people are very passionate about that sort of thing, but it's about leaning into that sense of play, right? That's where we're at our fiest. That's where we're at our most dynamic, where we can suddenly create different uh, options, different possibilities on the fly.
1: Wow, that's great. I love what you shared there, and that we have such, such valuable information. You know, what you know, when it comes to negotiation, you know, the atmosphere that you're negotiating in, you know, that can vary, right? That could be, you know, could that be with in your office, could that be in a boardroom, could that be Absolutely. A, a, could it, maybe the other, you know, some, you know, somebody you're negotiating with at their location. Absolutely. What, it can, be what can you share some insights to give the listeners that uh, that was business owners the advantage there?
2: Well, the first thing is to remember and you might help me out with this little experiment here, Chris, right? Sure. Just think for a moment. Think back to your best teacher you ever had, or maybe best boss, right? But your best teacher, does someone spring to mind? Somebody, hopefully they were encouraging to you. Yeah,
1: I would say, yeah, I had one, I remember, in okay. ninth,
2: uh, ninth grade. Great, great. Even, even better. So, you know, think about how how would it feel like to be in their presence? It felt like I I I trusted them. Like
1: it, sometimes I had a hard time trusting authority figures. I love
2: it. So you trust to them, and I bet you felt maybe respected. You felt encouraged, engaged, all these sort of things, right? Correct. Now, if I ask you to think of the worst teacher or boss you ever had. Does someone spring to mind? Yeah, well, I got I got quite a few of those. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <in> there you <laughs> go. And and usually it's the opposite, right? I, felt... I was very
1: yeah. I I didn't talk much. I I did the the bare minimum. I
2: and what did it feel like to be in their presence? What was the feeling?
1: It was uh, very. It can be very anxious because I felt I was walking on eggshells. Right.
2: And how do they make you feel? You were anxious. What else? Yeah, it just d- didn't feel like measured up. Absolutely. You felt small, you felt marginalized, you felt disrespected, probably you felt unimportant. And and again, the opposite with the best teacher or the best boss, right? My point is this, Chris, can you remember maybe even more than one saying that either of those teachers said to you? You might have been in their class for hundreds of hours, over a year, over more than a year. You're right. I I tended
1: to remember more To people I trusted because my my sensory acuity and my active listening was
2: was elevated. Exactly. And this is the thing is that in those, let's call it 100 hours with each teacher, right, or 500 hours, whatever, 100 hours we only remember a handful of things they said. Maybe from the good teacher there were these pearls of wisdom or something, right? Or sayings that they had, little mantras, and that's why it went into your head because it was very valuable and they repeated it, right? But Out of the maybe thousands or hundreds of hours and thousands of sentences, they said, you only remember a tiny snippet. And this is the point. But you instantly remembered exactly how it felt like to be in their presence when I asked you. I asked the same of my 75-year-old dad. And he was just like you, back, you know, ninth grade. And he was, oh, I hated that guy. Oh, my God. Right. And this is the point. Emotion is memory. People don't remember what you said, they remember very little of what they do, but they always remember what it felt like to be in their presence, right? This is the importance, you know this, the key, keynote speaker, two days later, they can't remember 5% of the things that they said, but they remember if they liked you or not, right? Well, right? They were, okay. Yeah, they remember the emotion they felt. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so this is why it's so important to, again, just like you're priming who you are going in to that negotiation you're also then, by definition, setting the atmosphere of that, that you're going to be in there for the game, that you're going to be dynamic, you're going to be getting the best out of them as well as the best out of yourself. You're not trying to beat them as such, you're trying to turn them from an adversary into more of an ally. That You're able to actually talk about, okay, what's your destination? So instead of going... Quick tip, some people go way too quickly, particularly if they're in kind of more of a sales slash negotiation role, which a lot of people are as business owners, right? They go way too quickly to actually the the, the bargaining, shall we say, or they go into trying to convince, oh, my thing does this and it does this. Even if they're talking about benefits or features, we don't talk about features, but even if they're smart enough to talk about benefits over features, right? It's about what the other side needs. It's their perceived. You're trying to get into the head of the other side. How are they seeing me? How are they never mind me? How are they seeing their problem first that they're I'm here to potentially solve? That's always the first step. Trying to see the pictures. What how do they see the world? How do they see their problem? How do they see themselves? How do they then see how you might fit into that? And one way to do this, just opening the conversation, just saying, look. All going swimmingly well, never mind me, whatever solution you choose, right where do you, if you want this to work, right, whatever it is you're buying, what does success look like what, what you're buying it for a purpose, what is that ideal if everything goes really well, what does that look like? and let them tell you, let them evoke like, oh yeah, it'll be great that we we'll be able to hire this person, we'll be able to do that, we'll be able to increase sales, whatever it is they're meant to be doing that's their that's their purpose, that's their "why. And then all you have to do, and it sounds overly simple is try and facilitate that, that all of your response fits with the problem and fits with how they see their potential, you know, promised land at the end of it all. That's what you're trying to do. But you think about it, if you're trying to get them there, all of a sudden, you're not an adversary. You're an ally, you're you're collaborating with them to get them to the destination that they're trying to get to, that they've just told you is exactly the awesome place where they want to end up in six months and nine months in town. If this thing that you're in theory selling to them or someone is selling to them goes as it should. All right, so this is what I'm talking about. It's how you are. That way we're not trying to learn lines. We're not trying to have clever phrases or so on. It's who we're being. And this is the key thing. So that's why we're trying to scope that atmosphere, that atmosphere of, 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 think of it, in the Second World War. And I use allies correctly. In the Second World War, Britain and the United States were the closest of allies. But if you know your history, they didn't agree on an awful lot of stuff. Oh, they of had course, ferocious yeah. arguments. And that's the beauty. But it was what we call task conflict. Not relationship conflict. And this is where the best of teams, and again, negotiating at an internal level with your team, with your own people that maybe you have to report to. Most of the people I work with, you know, are business owners, but otherwise, sometimes, you know, they're equity holders. They have skin in the game. Yeah. Right. But it's about remaining on the task and not falling down into the relationship. It's about always ascribing positive intent. Even if they say nasty things right to your face, you're able to look beneath that and ascribe positive intent, that their intent is a positive one, even if it doesn't seem like it at the time.
1: Wow. This, this is some great, great stuff that Alistair, you shared here, and so important. We we hope you listeners have taken notes. We have encouraged you to listen to the show in its entirety here later today. This is some great information. Now, you know, think about it. You're getting this stuff here on this show, and it's for free. And we hope that when in the third segment, when, you know, Alistair shares his contact information, please get in touch with them. This is really important stuff when it comes to strategy to move your business forward, no matter where you are in that, that, that business life cycle. We got to go to break, everybody. When we come right back, we got more to come with dealing with Goliath with Alistair McBride. And we'll be right back after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
0: Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success.
1: Welcome back to Sustainable Success. Again, we're here with Alistair McBride. We're talking about dealing with Goliath, the psychological edge here in negotiations for business owners. You know, we had left off, you had given some really golden nuggets in in the second uh, segment of the show, Alistair. You know, talk about, you have these three principles I would love you to share and I know one of them is, pertains to where we left off from the last segment. If you can kind of lead with that into Absolutely. the other principles, that would be Absolutely. fabulous Absolutely. for the so audience.
2: So we were, we were just talking about that task conflict versus relationship conflict. This is where you're able to have robust disagreements back and forth. Because remember, a lot of these nice but nervous, a lot of people are, are literally nervous to push back too hard because they fear causing offense. And remember, better negotiators, again, prime this. Right, they will act offended when they're not. They're just playing the game, right? Now, maybe they are offended, but it doesn't matter. So this, this is as I said, we got a one way to stick into that area is always describing positive intent. So we're keeping it on that task conflict. We're not making it personal. All right. So this respond this relates to one of my uh, three key principles. So these are these kin- three key, key principles are really things that are often either misunderstood or. Or often overlooked, shall we say. And I think they're of critical importance. And one of them is what I call think like a shrink, right? I could say think like a coach, but it doesn't rhyme as well, right? But think like a shrink. So how does a shrinker or a therapist think? Right? Because they might be sitting there with their client and their client could turn to them and say, oh, you're just taking money off me every week. Screw you, buddy. You know, you're ripping me off and blah, 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 right? The therapist doesn't say Ooh, get the hell out of my office! You, uh, you know. Okay, well, not after being a good therapist, they don't. They roll with it, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the point. I think like a good therapist or a good coach. Whatever emotion is flying at them, they're fully present, but emotionally non-reactive. I'll repeat that, fully present so that you're fully there with them. You're not looking out the window. You're not distracted on your phone. That's a whole other series of ways to break rapport if if there ever was one. Right, But remember, you're fully present but emotionally non-reactive. And I know there's a big point of yours, Chris, is that the difference between reacting versus responding bonding I mean, correct <laughs> right so it's the same thing that we're not it's not that we're not emotional we certainly can be right but that we're choosing strategically choosing our response both our, our actual verbal or vocal response uh, what we're going to say as well as how we want to feel about it but remember we're in that more gameful mindset we're seeing this person's Frustration, whatever it is, that's coming, at us, Maybe they're trying to manipulate. Us. They're trying to go us into something, make us angry, make us try and feel, you know, like we're about to lose out on something, whatever that might be, and see it as that game. That's It's another maneuver. How are we going to roll with it, right? But remember, we're ascribing positive intent. We don't want to say, "Oh, you absolute, you know, sleazy scumbag," <laughs> or something, right? We don't want to be thinking about that, particularly underneath uh, underneath her our breath either right so think like a shrink and that's the key that we're we're neither being aggressive because it isn't that where often people are our instinct if we feel attacked is either to defend we, we like, can get defensive oh, and then it get aggressive yes or and or aggressive right yes absolutely whereas actually sitting with some of this particularly if someone's getting frustrated with you guess what people half the time it's either A, a gambit, right, if it's a really experienced negotiator. But if it's somebody else that has a lot of skin in the game, not necessarily you. It's the situation. You don't know what they've come in from. Maybe they've just had an argument with their spouse. Maybe, you know, their, their kid is sick or something like this and they're worried about them. Maybe they've had, you know, some other deal or some other client has just canceled on them, right? You don't know is the point. Just because you're getting this reaction doesn't mean you're the cause of it. And even if you are, you can make amends. You can you can roll with it, right? But again, it all starts from not reacting but choosing our response. And that is a huge builder for rapport. If, so, if you're able to actually, you know, roll with someone when they got angry at you, but you were cool and respectful and, you know, you just slid with it and you didn't judge them for it. The amount of clients I've heard who go, Oh, that person got really angry with me. And then they were re- quite apologetic the next time. They were, you know, oh, I'm really sorry. And oh, thanks for being cool about that. You really, you know, you dealt with that really well. It's a great trust builder, right? So either way, roll with it. Okay. So that that's one of those key, that's one of those key principles. I mean, there's a lot more there. Obviously, it's the tip of the iceberg on how to act like that. Because one of my clients summed it up to me, Chris. He said, Al, what you're actually doing here is you're coaching me on how to coach myself and the other side to a better relationship and a much better deal. (laughs) Okay, so and I thought he summed that up quite well. So I said, okay, that's you saying that, not me, but okay, that's fine. But one of my other uh, key principles, I think, Chris, is a lot of people think of... A deal or the negotiation, much like they they think of a photograph, right? So if you have a photograph, whether it's on a phone or it's on a printout, you can turn it and look at it at all sorts of angles. You don't see any more; it's the same image. It's stuck there, right? It's a two-dimensional image, and that's how they see an awful lot of their their deals, their negotiation, the potential there. I ask you, and think of this for a second, I ask you to think of it like a sculpture. Here's my art art dealer fast coming through here. <laughs> right? So think of it like a sculpture because what does a sculpture do? A sculpture invites you to look around it, to either move it in your hand or if it's a big one on a plinth or something, you walk around it, you see it from different angles. You see different things come up from different angles. You get new perspectives, right? So that's what I want people to think. That's how I want them to have to to start to view. Again, it's the priming. Then you know you're smart enough. You're creative enough to actually start spotting opportunities. But when you sort of, it's not a photo, it's a sculpture. What might might be here that I'm missing? What opportunity might be here that I'm missing? And then it it goes back to one of Chris Voss's sayings again. Good old Chris Voss, where he says, you know, be careful uh, you know, being so focused on what you want that you won't accept something better. That's yeah. when you're thinking of it as a photograph. Because this is this is my objective. This is the thing I want. Yeah, but why do you want it? What's it to serve? What's it? What, what does that get you? Right. So this is the first thing is all about purpose. And when you have your purpose, then you have huge flexibility on how to get there. Yeah, right? you create more more lanes for opportunity. Absolutely, and maybe that's when you're negotiating with suppliers, where you're able to dictate to them. You say, "Look, this is where I need to get to. I know I'm really flexible in how we get there. You know, what suits you, and how you get there, and how can I then reap the benefits, and you reap the benefits, right? So, so that's it. That's another key one. That's great. I love that. I love I love what you shared
1: there, and it's so important. Uh, hmm. What like what so what are we? Some other things that you could share. In terms of this, like when it comes to this and how you know that, you, you, not that they have to have the edge, but they're in just better position oh. in order to facilitate to the best of ability
2: a win-win. Yeah, well, look, I'm not getting into too many tactics here. You know, that might be that might be for a whole other show. All yeah, right? no, so we give, definitely give it cover a- that. The broad strokes and giving you the identity stuff, because these are the things that once you put them in place, just like I said in that last one, then you find your own solutions depending on your experience and knowledge and expertise and the context in which you're working and the opportunity in front of you, right? So there's no point in me giving a set script for that kind of stuff. But it goes back to then, as I said, think like a shrink, not a photo at a sculpture. And the next one is really another way to think about it is is no is the beginning. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, the entrepreneurship stuff. One of my favorite things I ever did was, uh, wor- you know, working in a university where we're training a lot of entrepreneurs in design thinking and lean startup, all of this exciting stuff. And one of the things you do are discovery conversations, right? You're trying to build a product specifically from market need and and you're having the, and this is what occurred to me. So many negotiators or people in that kind of large contract sales don't usually do sufficient discovery conversations, right? And think of it this way: if somebody, maybe you have, um, you ask for a request. How about this? You know, X, Y, Z, and they go, "Oh no, no, that doesn't work for us," right? And what's the normal response, right? Don't <laughs> people either go, As I said, don't get mad or sad, get curious, right? It's as simple as that, because that's no is the beginning, right? No is not the end, no is the beginning. So someone says no, get curious, get oh. And again, think about building trust. You say, oh, that's interesting. Do you mind if I ask, you know, what is it about that? Get specific. What is it? Or make them get specific, I should say. What is it about that that doesn't quite work for you? Again, doesn't quite, you're... You're, you're putting in their head that we're not far off, okay? Oh, well, and then make them explain. And let me tell you, Chris, 20% of the time or so, they've actually misunderstood something you've said or you've misunderstood something they've said. And they've got the wrong end of the stick and you're able to correct that misunderstanding. And then they actually, you're able to get your point over the line, mm. right? You're able to win that that thing, that attribute, that whatever it is, that concession. But even if you don't, You're either winning or you're learning, Chris. You know, the key stuff here. You're either winning or you're learning. And that's the whole point. The more you learn about their needs, their situation, their how to see it, the more you're better able to be agile into fitting your potential solutions into their story. Because you've just heard, not just the details, but you've heard their story. And another point that you were just, you know, you, you were asking for there is, and I think this is maybe one of the biggest ones, is when, and this is a problem in that whole, literally I'm dealing with the Davids out there, right? In their struggles, little struggles (laughs) with dealing with their Alliance. Is that when you're with a really big company that you're trying to work with, they often have a professional negotiator. So if you're a small business working with another small business, the beauty of that is, if, you know, the SH1T hits the fan, as it often does, somebody drops the ball somewhere, right? You can pick up the phone or, you know, if you drop the ball, you didn't realize it, they pick up the phone and phone you and go, Chris, something's happened. And they give you the benefit of the doubt. That's why you want to build a relationship. Yeah. Because then instead of them going, oh, I knew, I knew when sooner or later they dropped the ball and they don't, they don't, they don't care, man. They don't care. Right. However, when, when you have a bit of that rapport built, you have the benefit of the doubt. When you drop the ball at some point, which is you were only human, sometimes it happens. They go, they don't ascribe it to, they don't ascribe it to character. They ascribe the fault to circumstances. So they go, oh, I know Chris. Chris wouldn't do that. It's something we can solve. It no problem. <laughs> they pick up the phone. Chris, something's happened. You dropped the ball and something there the other. Oh, I'm very sorry. Blah blah blah. We can fix it. Of course you can fix it. You know, hey. Right. So, this is what you're building. Right. Now, what I'm talking about here is to be aware of the deal maker mindset versus the implementer mindset. Because when you're working with a major corporation, you're maybe a small business trying to sell into it, and it's going to be a huge deal and all the rest of it. Right. This is great. But if you're dealing with someone who's not around for the implementation phase, like how is this thing, how is the deal going to work in practice? You can get yourself into all sorts of pain and all sorts of bother. All right. So why? Because they're incentivized to finish the deal. Think of how we're, all the language around We're going to close yeah. the deal. We're going to get it over the line. All of it is like this finality. It's not the finality. It's the start of the first phase. Of the relationship, right? It's like <laughs> phase one complete. Now all the other phases are you delivering the thing and then renegotiating, hopefully getting a better order, bigger order, all the rest of it, right? And think of it that way. It's the start of a beautiful friendship, as they said at the end of Casablanca, right? It's the beginning of a beautiful <laughs> friendship. Because that's, that's the implementer mindset. How does this really work in person? Who else needs to be involved in this deal? Who else do we need to bring in to get their opinion to make sure this is fit for purpose? There's the key words for you, Chris. Fit for purpose. Because let me tell you, if they're just there to negotiate the deal, they're incentivized only on getting the deal over the line and not it lasting. They just want to look like a rock star, right? That's the problem. Not all of them, but that's where where their incentives lie. So you've got to bring it back into... And this is also if you're pushed over to procurement, as often happens, being a really big yeah. company, right? You do the deal with your counterpart and you're actually quite friendly. There's a bit of rapport there. You're having, you're having good times together. You're like, yeah, I like this guy. They like you. It's great. And then you're pushed to procurement to finish yeah. the deal. Disaster. you got to get that pin down before you go near procurement. You've got to get an ally there to say, don't mess with don't, yeah. Right. Because you got to make that deal solid because procurement want to cut more off. And you yeah, say, yeah, exactly. you cut it off. It's not the same deal. All right. It's a different one and it may not be fit for purpose. So you got to push back on that.
1: Alistair, this has been wonderful information you shared and definitely a, 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 we're going to have a second show in this particular area. We have less than a minute left in the show. Can you share can you let people know what, what is the best way to get in contact with you?
2: Well, I suppose uh, the easiest way is on my website, which is almcbride.com. That's a l m c b r i d e dot com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, there aren't too many Alistair McBrides. Alistair is a l i s t a i r m c b r i d e, and as I said on my uh, on my website, just go to almcbride.com/slash/book, and you can get a complimentary copy of the new book. now it's available on Amazon if you prefer to read it there. Uh, it will be available on Amazon in the very near future. But you can, as I said, uh, get an advanced copy on the website, almacbride.com slash book. And that's called Dealing with Goliath, The Psychological Edge and Negotiation wow. for Business Owners. Well, thank you so much,
1: Alistair, for be- taking time out of your schedule to be here with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thank
2: you so much. And an definitely we'll pleasure. have you on for a next show uh, for round two. Outstanding stuff. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been, it's been a blast.
1: Thank you. And listeners, we want to thank you each and every week joining us here at Sustainable Success. Again, here on the Business Channel here with Voice America, we highly encourage you to reach out to Alistair get out, get out the book, reach out and get to, you know, get some more information and insights and how he can help you in the negotiation uh, segment in terms of how to, you know, elevate your business. And again, uh, we highly encourage you, you to do that. And again, this show will be available in its entirety here later today, here at the voice America business channel, also on Apple and our Facebook page at sustainable success 2017. Till then, everybody, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next Thursday at 3 p.m. East Coast time, 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. Have a great one.
0: Thank you for tuning into Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an incredible week.